First, this is our brand new book. This is the newest book we have, God's Healing Supply. I encourage you to get it, and it's broke down in like, I think there's 30 segments or 31, something like that for every, every day of the month. You could read the whole book every day in, if you're a good reader in about 30 minutes. But I just wanted to say something here. Let me find that one scripture here, if I can find that real quick. I don't know if I can or not, I'm gonna look here. I probably should have had that open already, but hang on just a minute, I'm gonna find it. It's such a, what we did is we took specific verses that I treasure in my heart that I think is important, and the lady helps me. She got about, oh, let me see, this one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight translations of the same verse, and then at the end of these, we have a, we have a confession it's like two paragraphs right here. Usually it's even not that long. But just to help you, put you in remembrance that you have a healer. You know, if you don't talk about him, he's not healing you. I hate to disillusion you, but it isn't gonna get healed just because it's in the Bible. It's gonna get healed because I believe it and I say it and I believe it and it begins to come to pass. That's the only way you can get it. You could receive from somebody like me that has an anointing to do that. But at the same time, um, you know, you have to maintain it if you get it. You know, you just, I'm just talking to you just straight up. But anyway, this is really good. We, we had this, the Amplified put in this on Ephesians 4.27 that says, give no place to the devil. Yeah, that's, right. that's pretty simple, but still yet, the Amplified's better. I, do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. Now that's the things that cause most people to die young and usually most of the funerals are gathered around that. Typically, I think non-forgiving you know, non people, they won't forgive somebody that did them wrong. It's not about what the person did to you, it's how you react to it. And if you begin to resent them and hate them and all that stuff, and uh, hey, I pastored for almost 40 years. It's my 45th year of ministry. But anyway, it's got a thing in the back. I'm submitted to God because Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. I do not give the devil an opportunity to lead me into sin by holding grudges, nurturing anger, harboring resentment, or cultivating bitterness. I do not leave any foothold in my life for the devil. I give him no opportunity. I walk in love and live by my faith in Jesus Christ. I believe in the power of Jesus' blood to cleanse my sin, so I'm not moved by condemnation. I believe in the authority of Jesus' name, and I operate as Jesus' representative to resist sickness and disease. And every one of those is just that good. And so we have about 30 or 31 of them. You know, everything's running out. It seemed like in our country, we sent a manuscript and had it all laid out, and they said, we don't have any paper to print your book. So I just, well, okay, we're gonna get it. And he called back a little bit later and said, we got some paper, we're gonna put you at the top of the list. That's what I call favor. Amen. Now, I wanted to talk to you just a little bit about my book on angels, this is it. Angels on earth are waiting on you. I'm gonna talk about that this morning. I can't guarantee what I'm gonna preach tonight. I wouldn't, it wouldn't matter to me if I preached on angels the rest of my life. I've already taught on it for 42 years of my yeah, life right. and studied it extensively. I don't know everything I knew quite a bit, but I don't know everything. I'm not gonna deceive you and act like a smart aleck because I don't know everything. And I'm sure you don't either, if you're really yeah. truthful about it. Right. Yeah, okay, because if you don't have any manifestations of angels working in your behalf, then you're just saying you believe in it. You really don't, because if you really believed in it, there'd be fruit. Yes. Yes, sir. I have fruit in my life all the time because of them, because I've learned how to activate them. And a simple way is just tell you're gonna have to speak to them. Yes, not the pastor not your husband, not your wife, not your grandpa. I don't care how spiritual all those people are, they're not gonna get it done for you when it comes to this, because you have a Bible and you have a responsibility. It's gonna be good, don't, don't look so solemn on me. Amen. What angels are really like? Well, I can guarantee you they're not in your grandma's cap cupboard look like a fat looking beer-bellied preschooler <laughs> with blonde curly hair and a rubber dart and bow and arrow. That's I'm telling you, if you have a real angel come to you and he doesn't dress like a person, I've had him do that to me one time, they appeared like I would appear to you right now. But I've only had that happen once. All the others that I've seen, you're gonna have to have some faith or huggies because they will scare something out of you. I'm not teasing you. And they're not trying to be intimidating. They can be, but they're not trying to be. They're just who they are. And then angels on earth, we're gonna deal with that today. Angels in worship and intercession. I don't have time to deal with that one. That's a great one too what angels do. I put in here the essential things that I thought was most important to tell you. There's probably triple or maybe, uh, you know, 
maybe 50 more things they do, but I just honed in on what I thought was really critical. Angels take us places. I've already sent the angels here before I got here, the ones that are, can move without staying with me. Some of them have to stay with me because they're for protection. And uh, then our authority with angels. If you didn't buy this book for any reason, that one chapter would put you over if you'll believe it. Now, if you don't believe you have authority, I could teach you everything I know, which would certainly wouldn't be in a week or a month or a year. I mean, I've been studying it 42 years. Uh, but you have to know you have authority, and you have authority over the angels. Yes. You know, I've, already re I've already rightly divided the word for you, but I'm not teaching on that this morning. Healing and angels. I have a lot of angels work with me in the healing ministry, and uh, it, it's just wonderful. I just heard about a healing I didn't know happened down in South America. If, I don't know when that would have been. Maybe the late 1900s, or it could have been... Maybe, uh, you know, in the first 10 years of this like, way back, I don't remember. But a lady I talked to personally, she said, you know, I had a, had a messed up vertebrae and uh, I was in so much pain, I was paralyzed with it, I couldn't even walk. And she said, you had a word of knowledge one time, this was in South America that I did this. Uh, and uh, she said, I came forward and I was in constant pain and said, the, the pain left me immediately and I've never had another symptom. So that's at least uh, probably 22 to 25 years ago. I talked to her personally on the phone yesterday. I was calling her husband, and she was on there with him. Anyway, praise the Lord. Let's, let's go over here to Revelation, I mean uh, Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to look at a scripture here. It's not where I normally start, but I just want to do something different for a change. And uh, we'll do our best to get you out at time. That time's back there. It's 10 after 11. What time do you normally stop, Pastor? Somebody answer me. Okay. No, I'm good. That's plenty of time for me. And then I'm going <laughs> to minister to some people. Uh, people ask me all the time, I'm going to read Hebrews 12 in just a second. How is it that you have many manifestations of angels in your ministry? And I also have them in my life personally. That's another story, but... I said, well, you have to teach about it if you're going to have them move. You have to right. If you don't know how to move them, then there's no value to you. Amen. You know, if you had employees came to your shop and you just uh, put on funny people to talk to them during the day on a microphone, never put them to, the, to the, where they're stationed to work, you're not going to produce anything. Right. <laughs> the same with the angels. You're going to have, you're, whoa, you're going to have to stay with it enough to say what you need to say, and that activates them. I can guarantee that, but I'm not going there right now with this. So let's read Hebrews 12 here a minute. It says, but you are come, but 12, I'm sorry, 12, uh, 22, but you are come. Notice you're not going to come. You haven't already come, but you are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. So somebody asked me one time, I thought it was a really silly question, but people have all kinds of weird questions. Do you think there's enough to go around? I just answered your question. There's so many you can't number them. The Lord dealt with me about five years ago about that very thing because I read Revelation in the book of Daniel 10,000 times 10,000. I said, I think there's a better scripture, probably in Hebrews. He said, you're right, it's over here. And so I've, we have come, we've already come into an innumerable company of angels. But you know, you could be at the best church in the world and listen and still not get a thing out of the speaker because you didn't pay attention or you didn't really listen or didn't hear it. Yeah. So what well, the same with the angels, they're all here with us that belong to you. I know mine are all with me right now because they have, they're not out doing something else for me right now. Amen. So it's innumerable. That means you can't number them. In other words, I mean, it's more plainer. He's not gonna run out. He is the creator of them. He can create more if he needs them. I don't know that he's ever done that, but it seems like he sends fresh troops every time we get into a move of God, which is happening right now. Amen. Some additional angels. In the 90s, I saw a lot of unusual demons coming to the earth, and they're still here, but we have to deal with them. Okay, so when you start believing in the ministry of angels, you start having more manifestations of their ministry. Let's go, let's go back over here to Mark chapter 16. I'm going to take you to several scriptures. That's just the way that I normally teach. I wouldn't have to do that, but I want you to see I'm laying a foundation for you to see what I'm saying is in the Bible. <laughs> I'm not up here just to tickle your ears or be a good speaker. I'm not a very good speaker anyway, but I do know the Bible somewhat in this area particularly. 
and we have results, and I'm going to show you why we have them. It's right here in Mark 16, verse uh, 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere, including Columbia, Kentucky, Amen. in 2022 uh, on a Sunday morning. The Lord working with Dr. Jacobs and confirming the word that he taught with signs following. So if I was going to teach on marriage, I would expect that to step it up for you. You know, if we talked about how to get along with people in your mate, then we'd talk about that. We'd expect you to take that and run with it and put it into practice. If we talked about, you know, finances, which we're not, I'm not, uh, then we'd expect that to manifest. But he says he confirms his word with signs following. So signs, and since we're talking about angels, what would be the sign that would confirm the angels will come and minister? They'll minister, they minister to you, but they minister with me because they're in my mantle, some of them, that are the healing angels. I have other angels too, but we're not talking about all that right now. So I just want to say something here to you. Uh, my, my granddaughter called me a while back. I don't know that probably four years ago now. Time goes quick. And uh, Grandma answered the phone. My wife, she's in heaven now. She went last year and... Uh, so my granddaughter's named Natalie, and she said, I want to talk to Papa. She says, for you, honey. Hey, honey, what's up? Well, Mommy said that you see angels. Is that right? Yes, I do. Well, I want you to tell me how to see them. Now, I don't bull jive anybody. I'm being polite to say that that way. I don't bull jive anybody and tell them something that's not true, especially my grandchildren. Oh, my God. I'd rather shoot myself in the head than lie to kids. And then they grow up thinking all preachers are liars. And then they grow up thinking that Easter Bunny is more important than Jesus or Santa Claus or all the other stuff that we celebrate in this country. I'm all for celebration, but I'm not for lying to people. So I said to her, honey, I don't have the authority to do that. I cannot tell you you're going to see it. That's up to Jesus and him alone. And you'll have to pray to him, talk to him about it. Okay. Thank you for your enthusiasm. So I said to her, you'd have to have a dream, which means normally you'd be asleep or you have a vision that grandpa has visions and sees them or I operate in discerning of spirits. And when that anointing's on me to see things, I see things. I don't tell everybody everything I see unless it's necessary. But you'd have to operate in those things. So now she, she says to me, mommy said you had a book. I don't have it. Can I have one? I said, you sure can. But do you even read yet? No, mommy said she was going to read it to me. Well, I'm glad a mommy said something. So finally, uh, I asked her, what, what is all this interest in angels all of a sudden? Well, I want to pray for my friends at church, Avery and uh, Bella. I said, well, that's sweet, honey. Can, can you just follow me in a prayer like right now? Yep, Father, and she repeated, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I release my faith in the angels to protect Bella and Avery, and I release them today to keep them safe Amen. in Jesus' name. Can you do that? I can do that. I said, well, then you're on it. Good. You don't have to see anything to move. The, you just got to believe in them. That's right. and unless God permits you to see, you may never see anything. That's up to God and you. I don't know about that. So she tells me, Natalie, I'm going to say the last thing, and then I want to move on. I said, uh, she said, I went to my teacher in show and tell day, and I told him that my papa is the angel man. And he sees angels. And I knew what the answer was going to be. But I couldn't wait to ask her, what did your teacher say? She's in a Lutheran preschool. She thought a minute, nothing. I said, I thought that. I don't know if they just don't know nothing or whatever. But now let me justify the Lutherans before you get carried away and think I'm a hater. I'm not. I read a book about Lutherans about five years ago, and they had something unique that I'm so proud of them. They don't do it now that I'm aware of, but this was back 300 years ago. When new people came into church to join the church, they took everybody through deliverance. Boy, it sure it stopped a lot of problems in all of our churches, even word of faith. And, you know, so anyway, just talking to you here. Now, let's go over here to Hebrews a minute. Hebrews chapter 1. And get a little more scripture on us, and we're going to go somewhere. I'm going to tell uh, some stories today. I just seem like the older I get, the more I'm doing that, and I'm glad I can do it. I do have stories to tell. But uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. But to which of the angels said he, sit on, at any time, sit on my right hand, and make, 
till I make your enemies your footstool. Now, he didn't say that to an angel. He's contrasting the first chapter and into the second, the difference between Jesus and the angels. Of course, Jesus wins. <laughs> he's God. Okay. But he's just saying that for emphasis. And then he says, are they, in verse 14, referring back to the comment, the angels, are they the angels? Are they not all ministering spirits? So I say it this way, they all have a job description. Just because you don't know what it is yet, that doesn't mean that that invalidates their, their job requirements and their work ethic. And God put into them a program. I'm not a good tech guy, I'm, I'm challenged technically. I, I, you know, I just barely use my phone. But really, and I don't, it's a good tool when you need it, I don't care for it any other time. But anyway, uh, you know, what was I saying here? They all have job descriptions and God puts something in them to begin with. We may go to that verse in a minute, Psalm 140, I think it's 48. But anyway, uh, he puts something in them, in their makeup within them. And if you will take the word and put the word in word form to the, the angels, that will activate them. Yes, and if you miss it all the time, they won't do anything. It's lost effort. So you're gonna to have to think through on this a little bit with your, just like I taught my little granddaughter, that's pretty simple prayer, it's not heady, but it'll get the job done if you have faith in it. Amen. So are they not all ministering spirits? You know, I don't know why I thought this, probably somebody at my mom's church when she was a Sunday school teacher sent her a card at Easter, which is a pagan holiday, Easter is, but nonetheless, I'm not picking them apart, but they sent a card with an angel on the front eating grapes and picking a guitar. And I, and I haven't found that in the Bible at all. <laughs> Just talking to you. Angels never sleep. And they never die. So all the angels you read about from Genesis 3 forward, and the angels were already here when Adam was created. I've already checked it out. So every angel that we see listed in the scriptures, and we know there's how many of them? They're innumerable. I'm talking about in the earth now. Angels in the earth, not angels in heaven. I'm not in heaven yet. I'm in a position of heaven because I'm born again, born of his spirit. But so you follow what I'm saying? They all have different ministries. They all do different things. They're not all the same in strength. Some of them are huge. Some of them are just average, I would say, build or whatever. And all the times I've seen them, most of the times I've seen them, they didn't have wings on them when I saw them. I'm not saying they don't. Some of them do. Some of them, the seraphim have six wings. The cherubim have four faces, kind of weird looking creature. But anyway, I've done all that study. That's, I'm not to impress you, I'm just talking. But let's look at verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister? So the angels want to minister. That's what I'm trying to say to you. For them, or we would say, it says for them who shall be heirs of salvation, but I'm already an heir of salvation. And if you're born again, you are too. So we could read it this way. This was 2,000 years ago, written approximately, to minister for them who are the heirs of salvation. If he was trying to help me get saved, how much more would he love me today because I'm his son? Or you're his son or daughter? Yeah. All right. This is pretty significant. Now, the Weymouth translation of verse 14 makes this distinction, that the angels are a benefit to us. I always say it this way. If you were going to go to... Um, uh, you know, a, a certain plant or a place of business and you were going to uh, apply for a job, you'd fill out a questionnaire and you'd, you'd meet with somebody perhaps if they're interested and you'd have enough common sense to ask them, how much money does this pay an hour? Then you'd want to know, do you have health care, any of it or none of it? Yeah, that's right. how, how much do you give me if I'm here in this time and a half or does that not count? I mean, just a third grade educated person, even their mother could tell them to ask those questions or their daddy. But what I'm saying is the body of Christ, I don't know what's wrong with this. We go through life, we don't even realize we have benefits we know nothing about. <laughs> you believe in angels? I sure do. Well, when's the last time you sent one and they did what you asked them to do? And by the way, none, none of the angels, the elect angels, the good angels ever talk back to me. They're not like people. <laughs> They've done exactly what I asked them to do. I'm just telling you my side of it. I don't ask them to do stupid stuff either. That would help, you know, you ask them to do stuff that they're not supposed to do. All right, so we're looking at this here. And so we have a benefit. You, I'm not going there, but you can write Psalm 103 if you're taking notes because in the first part of that uh, Psalm, 
It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, he doesn't show up in that verse too, but it shows up in verse 20 and 21 that the angels listen to, they hearken to the voice of God's word. So he's talking about benefits in that chapter, healing, forgiveness of sins, cleansing from sin. He renews our strength like the eagles, things like that, okay. So it means a benefit. We shouldn't forget the benefits. One of the benefits is having angels in your employment to help you in the earth. And not all the angels live in heaven. I'm gonna to get to that given time today. I think I'm gonna make it. Uh, that there's a large percentage of them living the planet with us. They wouldn't do us any good if they were in heaven right now. <laughs> All right. So then we know the Amplified Bible, a verse, I'm still on verse 14. I've been known to preach almost an hour on that. But anyway, I'm not going to do that to you, Brian. But the Amplified Bible, which is the most accurate that I can find, I had to take Greek in seminary. I didn't like it. It's very complicated language. There's eight tenses in it. We only have three, past, present, and future. They have eight. And this is why the Bible was written in Greek to begin with, because it's such a descriptive language. You can't get words confused if you know the root of the word that you're really looking at. Not the English translation of it sometimes, but all right. So the Amplified Bible, verse 14, says that the angels are an assistance to God and to us. So now I got benefits and I have at least one assistant and probably more than that in my case, but we'll talk about that later. So it's important that we know. Now here's something else I found. I just looked this up recently from one of my sons bought me the original Noah Webster's dictionary. I had a little red one that was collegiate, but he bought me the real McCoy. It's about that thick. It weighs about 25 pounds. And Noah Webster was a dedicated Christian. And when he gives a definition, any definition in that big, thick book, he puts scriptures by it. So I found out looking that up in him that ministering, this word ministering here, this is what it means. First of all, in the Webster, the original Webster's dictionary, to give aid or service to the sick. See, when I tell people the angels help me with healing, they look at me like, is this guy really real or is he a lunatic? No, I'm not a lunatic. I'm very smart. Yes. I'm not intelligent, like a super heady person. I, I don't even do stuff like that. I don't even try to give you 10 letter words. I just stay simple. And if you can't understand me, God bless you. I need to pray for your brain. Because something's not working. Because I'm pretty straightforward. All right. We're just getting round up here. And, uh, and, and so the next definition is from the Greek New Testament. It says to function publicly as a benefit. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I had a lady in my church. This has been, uh, let me think, 25 years ago. I had a drawing to her and I knew her. I mean, I was her pastor at the time. I'm not now. My son pastors that church. But I called her up. I'm not going to mention her name. I called her up and laid hands on her. I don't even remember what I prayed for. And you may think, well, that's weird. Well, there's a lot of things you don't know yet. Hang on, I'm going to get to the point. So I just prayed for her, and then I went on. I had some other people coming. I went down this way. It was about 15 feet away from her, and the Lord said, turn around and look. I turned around and looked. There's an angel on this side of the altar. She's facing like this. She's still standing, and he's taking something out of her stomach. It wasn't out of the lower part. It wasn't out of her chest, out of her stomach, and it just looked like trash is all I could describe it. And I didn't tell her that because I thought... Well, the rest of the people aren't going to understand it either. But, so I went home after that encounter with that angel seeing him taking something out of her. And I went home and have a sandwich with my wife and my daughter. And my, my daughter, I told my daughter and my wife about that, what I saw. And my daughter said, well, Dad, didn't you know she suffers with bulimia and anorexia? I said, no, I didn't know that. You mean you didn't know Dad? I didn't know. Nobody told me. I'm just the pastor. You know, they don't tell me nothing. <laughs> Except when they need me and they want me. But anyway, that's all free and post pay, baby. That's from 45 years of doing what, exactly what I said. But anyway, so then I called her up on the phone. I said, this is Pastor Jacobs. At the time I was a pastor. I said, I saw an angel taking stuff out of your stomach area. She burst into tears. And she, the devil had so convinced her, she was just, let me say it, generically so you don't get the wrong idea. She was just a normal, nice looking young lady about 20 years old. Not fat, not skinny. But the devil had convinced her she had to get in the size whatever dress that is when you're about this big around. Yeah. 
and he had her so weirded out and she was I found out later she told me she'd put something down her throat to go in the bathroom after she ate and throw it all up then I read an article about that that could cause you some serious serious I know a nurse here that goes here you know Pastor Misty uh, that it'll cause some serious damage to your intestines and stomach stuff if you do that enough you're going to run into a heavy duty problem maybe surgery or worse I don't know so she got delivered she's still delivered she's in her 40s today I don't know you didn't know angels could do that well they can do a lot that we don't maybe always know let's uh, uh, let's let's read on down just for a minute here verse 1 through 4 therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard and what are we hearing about angels least at any time we should let them slip or one translation said they drift away from you if you did get uh, excited about it today and maybe for a week that's not going to help you in a month you're going to have to kind of stay with it and you can get my book and all the stuff I say in the book I've got scriptures to back up now this was written a long time ago 20 years or so so not everything I know about angels is in that but even when I got the manuscript back it was 517 pages and the Lord laughed at me and said Michael 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 you'll never be able to teach all that in this planet but I want you to whittle it down to about 100 pages and write it so a third grader could understand it so that's what I did I made it very simple and just hit the essentials we're big on that after COVID. You know, we had to have the essentials. Well, you have to have the essentials with this, too. Amen. You can't just go blind and, you know, try to figure out what to say. It's not going to work like that. For if the word, verse 2, was spoken by angels and steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, and this is partly because sometimes when an angel does come and speak, if it's a real angel of God, and you get disobedience to it, you'd be in trouble. And you get, you get consequences for that. Not from God, but you open yourself up to the enemy. How great, he says, how shall we escape? Look at this verse carefully. If we neglect so great a salvation. He's talking here about the angels. That's what he, he's not talking about born again stuff. He says we're born again up in verse 14 when he tells us the heirs of salvation. But he's talking about the angels delivering us from temporary evils like a gunshot, like a bully. <laughs> like a car wreck, like a, a, you know, whatever you want to call it, just all kinds of disasters. People that took too much dope and don't, their brains shot, they're killing everybody at McDonald's or whatever. You're going to be protected if you have them. But if you neglect it, I could ask God to send down 20 people and just line them up here that are in heaven and they went prematurely. And I guarantee every one of them would say this, something like this. What's your name? My name's Betty. How old are, how are you when you went to have 14? I heard you drowned, is that correct? Yeah. In a swimming pool? Yeah. Did you know how to swim? Yeah. What happened? I don't know, but I drowned. Did your pastor ever teach you about angels or your parents or your grandparents? Nope. Never brought it up. Need I go to the other 19? Do you figure out what I'm saying? And all of them in all kinds of strategic things that they didn't know what to do. I guarantee you're that alive right now. If, you're, if you are alive right now, I hope you look at me a minute. <laughs> Be alive to me. I'm going to serve coffee tonight before I preach to you. <laughs> Sometimes you get about 15 years old or 20 and you go through something that's traumatic. Let me explain it. Yeah. You almost drowned, almost got shot, almost totaled your car or got hit by a car or some other major thing. And you're on this side of it before it happens. Then you go through it. And when you're all done, you're over here and you kind of feel like, uh, what, what, what happened to me? That's right. Yeah. I took uh, the Owings, Pastor Owings and his wife, they were here when we ordained Misty. And his wife, Dona, she was driving somewhere, it's been quite a while back, and a car was coming, going to T-bone her, right in the side, on her side too. And she testified that the car stopped and went over her car, supernaturally was set down on the ground and went on. Wow. Angels can handle a lot of things, they're pretty strong too. <laughs> you know. Okay. Now, let me read one other verse here, and then I'm going to get on with it. God also, verse 4, God also bearing witness with both with signs and wonders and various types of miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. We know for a fact that Daniel back in the day, in Daniel, I don't know what chapter that's in, maybe 5 or 6, he's down in the hole because some people trumped up charges on him. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was taking value that night. He was so freaked out that he, he signed an edict 
that said, you're going to bow when we play the music. And he said, I'm not going to do it. So they throw him in the hole in the ground and there's lions in there and they're not dysfunctional lions. I want to tell you something. <laughs> they're not somebody on the side of the, uh, that hole with a tranquilizer gun like at the zoo. That's impossible. That wasn't going to happen then. And but it says an angel came. And my interpretation is this. He picked up one of those lines by the throat and kind of squeezed a little and said, if you boys want this, bring it. If not, you simmer down. Yeah. <laughs> and they simmered down. Yes, that's right. See, even 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 uh, lions uh, appreciate angels and they scare the you know what out of them, too. <laughs> but I think the angels, got, I mean, the uh, lions got around Daniel. I'm pretty sure it didn't. Dirt is cold. He said, I need some heat. Why don't you get behind me and be a pillow for me? Ah, it's better. Now roll over towards me on this side and this side. Cover me up with their warmth and I'll be all right. So Nebuchadnezzar came and he's freaking out. He goes, Daniel, are you still there? Kind of a thing. He said, well, sure, I'm here. I didn't do anything wrong against God or you. And then Nebuchadnezzar declares this. There's no God in any kingdom in the planet Earth that can do the signs and wonders that Daniel's God can do. Amen. Signs and wonders, that's what it said right here. And it had to do with angels being involved. Not every sign and wonder is an angel. It could be the Holy Ghost and an angel or just the Holy Ghost. But the angels played a magnificent part. We know in John 5 in the New Testament, one of them stirred the water and whoever got in first, I don't care who it was, they were healed of whatsoever disease they had. That's any kind of disease or sickness. I don't know any doctor that could do that. But God, with that angel, he did. And he's still able to do that because he's our God and our Father. He doesn't violate his word. Now he's still showing humanity that he's still alive and in power if you trust him. Okay. Hallelujah. Let me read you something Brother Hagin said. This is a, a prophecy he gave, 1988. I'm just going to read a small section. He had three angels visit him that day. One was in the political realm. Uh, one was in the financial realm, realm in which you minister to Dr. Brother Hagin and other preachers, like me and others. And he says down here, they'll learn to walk in the spirit. That's his people, God's people. They'll learn to join forces with the forces of heaven. And the angels will come and minister unto them. And the angels will come and minister with them. That's why a lot of times when I'm ministering to people, angels show up and they help me. Like I was in Manzanillo, Mexico. Mikey was with me. He interpreted for me, Mike Rabel right here. We went to see Pastor Maria Rancun and I taught on angels and I had a word of knowledge about hearts. The, not the spirit man, but this heart here, the pumper. There was about eight people lined up. I laid hands on the first guy and said, Father, I pray for his heart to be healed or give him a new one. And when I said that, an angel came around my backside like this and stuck his arm in his chest. It went down to about like that. And it looked like to me he's opening the safe, but I know better. He's fixing that heart with his hand. Wow. Amen. And I went, the next one was a lady and all the rest of them. I don't know whether they were men or male or female. But the lady ran to me after, I, after we had the service, after it was over. She said, uh, did you see that angel put his hand in my chest? I said, did you see an angel put his hand in your chest? I'm playing with her a minute. Yes, I did. I said, yeah, I saw him. What did he do? Well, he took all my symptoms away. He must have fixed me because I saw him put his hand in there and was doing something. How do you feel now? I feel great. I don't have any symptoms at all anymore of a bad heart. But he did that with all those. And an interesting fact that I found out, he kept his hand in their chest as long as I kept my hand on their head. See, just remember, the whole earth is resolving around the believer if he only knew it and he walked in his authority or her authority. You have the same authority I do. Yeah, I mean, you don't have the same authority in ministry because I'm a prophet. You may not be a prophet, so you wouldn't have identical. But as a believer, all of us have the same authority in Christ. You're a joint heir with Christ, not a sub anything. Get that out of your head. You're not a sub. You're a joint heir with Jesus. And God showed me recently. He, Jesus' head isn't in, in sitting in the chair and his body missing. We're his body. Even if you're the mole on the little toe of the left foot, that's pretty low, you know. You're still just as good as everybody else. Because the body of Christ, his head is on us up in the heaven. I always wondered where we sat and I had a little vision and saw that. So it's his head, but his body, that's me and you. We're the body of Christ. Pretty good. Thank you, Dr. J. You're welcome. It's all free too. I'm trying to help you. Okay, so the angels will come and minister unto us, and the angels will come and minister with them. 
Praise the Lord. There's just a lot to say in there. Let me see here. Let's, um, well, let, let's see here. Let me see where I want to go. Okay, let's, let's go over here to um, Colossians chapter 1. Just back a few books in your Bible. Colossians 1 and verse 16. I'd like to look at that for a minute with you because I had a pastor friend. He went to heaven a couple years ago. His name was Pastor Andy Silva. He was a mayor of a city in... Uh, Deming, New Mexico, and he had a church too. And he, I was eating a breakfast in a hotel, uh, and I was at a meeting with Dr. Dufresne. We were at the hotel eating first and then going to go to the meeting. And he came in, he said, hey. I said, hey. And he said, can I sit with you? I said, come on over. He said, I wanted to talk to you anyway. I said, I had a question for you. Somebody told me you know something about angels. I said, I know something. I don't know everything. What's your question? Well, he's, when I go to the mayor's office to function as a mayor over the city of Deming, these two angels help me, but they don't come to church with me. I said, that's pretty simple. That's not their calling. Their calling is to help you as a, as a mayor of a city. You know, if you have, you, you probably have a mayor in this city, don't you? Yes. Or somebody that's running something. Yes. Uh, whoever they are, if they're godly, then you can have angelic help to help you keep the community as good as you could. But if you're evil and want to do more evil, then you can be sent by the devil, other spirits that are de demonized, that are already demons, that are darkness, and they will create more darkness there. Yeah. What is it they say about Ve Vegas? What's, what happens here stays here? What does that apply to you? It doesn't apply to me. I never want to go there, period. Because right. I don't have a, I don't have a desire to sin, number one. But number two, I don't know what that means, except they just do whatever they please. Right. What a whacked out group of people. So Pastor Andy said to me when I said, well, that, I said they're, they're, not, they're not called to work with you to church. That's why they're not there. Yeah. I know enough to say that. And he said, you got chapter and verse. I said, no, but I'll get you one. I'll call you in two weeks. I called him in 10 days. And this is the verse God gave me. Now, if you're not careful, you will read what I'm reading in Colossians 1.16, but you in your brain, you equate it with Ephesians 6 and 12, where it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. There's nothing you're wrestling against in this verse. That's not what that says. But I'm gonna show you something. to show you that I'm not a liar, and I told Pastor Andy, I'll get you a verse. <laughs> For by him were all things created, verse 16, Colossians 1, 16. For by him, or by Jesus, or by the word, were all things created, could be translated, all beings were created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. So there's some invisible beings, not only in heaven, but in the earth. What does that mean? That means they're unseen, but not unreal. Amen. They're unseen to the natural eye. You'd have to have a dream, a vision, or operate in discerning your spirit. That's the only three ways I know biblically that you're ever going to see anything beyond the natural. Right. You could be a spiritual person and walk in the spirit, but I'm talking about these particular beings here that are created that are invisible in this earth. <laughs> you know, I'm glad I don't have visions every day. I don't know if I could take it. I don't know if you understand me or not. Don't try to. If you don't, you give your brain a hernia. I'm just being real. They, these just mean a lot more responsibility for me to get it straight what was said to me at a moment they came or what they told me to do and things like that. That's all the reason I'm saying. But I'm not done with this verse. So there is some invisible beings in earth. <laughs> all right. And then it tells the list. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. This word principality means a prince or an angelic being in this context over a municipality. So if you're a mayor and you're a godly person, the angels will help you with your city. If you're a governor, same thing, or senator or house of representatives, of course, president or whatever they're called around the world as heads of state. Those kind of people have an immense amount of authority over a whole nation. You know, I'm just talking to you here. So it's important to know that there are some invisible beings in this planet. Don't tell me you don't believe in it. You just, you just ripped that verse out of your Bible and said, that don't count, Father. No, it counts and it means something to me because I've studied it out. And it meant something to Andy Silva. And he did have other angels help him in his church too. But he didn't ask that question. He asked, why don't they come to church and help me there? And I said, well, they're not assigned there. They must be assigned to you in the civil area where you're ruling as a mayor over a city. Okay, you're, come on, somebody say amen or something. Okay, thank you. Now, let's go back here to Genesis chapter 28. It's way back in the beginning. And it's amazing to me 
that when I went, went back and read uh, the book of Genesis from front to back after I began to study on angels, I found out those people in the book of Genesis, the first book, the first human beings that I know anything about on this planet, they knew something about angels that the modern church doesn't even understand yet. So I'd say we're kind of behind. Say that I'm just being sweet about it. We're kind of behind. I think we're, anyway. I'm doing my best to get the word out. And I don't know everything, but I do know some things. I want to talk to you about in this earth. I, I'm going to be quick to do it because I just got a few minutes. But um, I wanted to talk to you for just a minute about uh, Miriam Cabrera. She's in Honduras. I used to go there every year for about 10 years, and some years I went twice doing mission work. And I had a word about spines and backs, and it had, I don't know, there must have been 200 people in the meeting, but probably 40 of them lined up. I couldn't believe that many people had back problems. So I just started over here and tapped them in the head, said, be healed, be healed, be healed. I got to Miriam, I said, be healed, and went on down. She's still standing, and most of them are. I don't care if you fall down, but I do care if you get it, what I'm ministering to you. That's what's important in this thing. Not that you fall down. But I don't like you doing this to me either. That shows your rebellion. Like I'm going to knock you down. What, I don't know what people are thinking. And if you got something very sensitive in your body that you'd fall and get hurt, I would want to know that or put you in a chair and then pray for you or something. But yeah. when you do this, <laughs> you, you don't even respect laying on the hands or me or any of us. I'm just throwing out some thoughts here. You could take it or leave it, but if you take it, you'll get something. If you don't take it, you won't. All right. All right, Genesis here. Genesis, uh, Miriam Cabrera, let me get back to her. So Miriam Cabrera and her husband owned a, a uh, restaurant at the mall in Tegucigalpa, which is the capital of Honduras. I think that's right. And uh, so the next day, they took a liking to me, her and her husband, when I first went from ten year, one to 10 years there. And it was probably the seventh or eighth year I went. And they had us over for lunch with our crew at least one time during the week while we we're there in town. So we came to her house, her and her husband. He's the cook, so he's in the kitchen doing stuff. And she's in here telling us where to sit. Dr. Jacobs, I want you to sit right here. And so the pastor sit there. I'm going to sit here. I want to tell you what happened to me last night. I said, I'd like to know. And so she said, well, um, you know, I had a, I fell as a child when I was six years old and chipped part of my tailbone. And it's been excruciating. I've had three babies. I can't even take them to school because I, I can take them to school in the van, but I have to stop every 10 minutes and get out and walk around. I couldn't take the pain. So I said to her, well, Miriam, uh, would you say it's uh, medium pain, intense pain? She said, oh, my God, it's, it's, it's horrible. I can't already function when that starts paining me, and I'm in pain most of the time. So then I, I, dared, I dared just to say it to her because I knew her well after 10 years. I said, I normally wouldn't ask a woman this, but I think you know me well enough, I'm gonna ask you anyway. How old are you now? 41. So are you telling me you had back problems and pain for 35 years without relief? Yes, sir. Well, what happened last night? Well, I felt, they said you hit me hard, but I never felt it, I just felt the anointing. But when it got to my neck, it turned into like electricity going down my spine. And it got to the place at the very lower part of my spine. I felt a hand and a hand beneath it and it went, and jerked my back like that, and all the pain left. So I went back there two years in a row, but then I had a missionary lady that was in my church at the time. About six years ago, she went back, and I said, if you run into Miriam Cabrera, ask her about her back. And she did, and said, I've never had another symptom since Dr. Jacob prayed for me. And the angel straightened that out, you know. I didn't do that. Yeah, you'd have to be able to reach in somebody's body and do that. And they do that all the time. I had a lady, I prayed for scoliosis. She was on this side of the altar and I walked away from her to pray for some other. And the Lord said, turn around and look at this angel. She was laying on her back. He went straight through her midsection down in here and grabbed her tailbone and went like that. And when he did, that thing straightened right out. I'm just telling you what I saw and what I know and what I know they can do. I didn't say everybody gets their back straightened. It's an angel, but a lot of it is, not all of it. All right, so let me read verse 12 and following here. This is Jacob, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that Jacob, who became Israel. And he dreamed in verse 12, he dreamed, behold, a ladder set upon the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. Now, I read that just like I read it to you, but I had God with me that moment when I was reading it. And he said, you don't get it yet. Read it again. 
out loud? Yeah, I want you to read it out loud to yourself again, Michael. I read that, and I, he said, you still don't got it. Read it again. Seventh time I read it, I finally got it. It says here, I was thinking, I read what I just read to you, but my brain was thinking this. God cut a hole in the clouds, threw down a rope ladder like a pirate ladder down to touch the top of the grass on the ground, and the angels came down and went back up, but that's not at all what that says. You see how your mind can play tricks on you? Maybe because other preachers told you something so often, you began to believe them instead of believing the Bible. I don't know what was wrong with me, but he made me read it out loud to me and him for seven times. And finally, I, he said, now you're getting it, aren't you? I said, yeah, the ladder was on, set up from the earth up. Yes. <laughs> and the angels, that, yes. they went up and came back down because this is where they live yes. on planet earth. Yes. And then I started thinking, well, that, that's kind of like my son and daughter in Mexico City. They come up and visit, yes. but then they go back to where they live. You've uh, met them before. Yes, You've met them. And, uh, and then I have Dr. Dennis Hannibal. He's down in Texas. That's way down kind of in America. Then he, com he comes up to be with me periodically. Then he goes back because he don't live with me. He lives in Texas. So I said to the Lord, not in a smart aleck way, I want to clarify. Um, if, you, if you can't show me at least two other verses in the Bible that validate what you're saying here, I'm not going to preach it because this is Old Testament anyway. I could have that and better. I know that. But I just think there's more to it than I'm seeing. So would you do that? He said, I'll do you one better. I'll give you three verses. And I, I, I shouldn't have done this like Brother Hagin says. I shot my mouth off and said, why, if there is, I don't know about it. He said, there's a lot you don't know about, Michael. <laughs> You're right, sir. Forgive me for being arrogant with you. I apologize. Okay, and by the way, if you read on through it, I don't have time to share much about that. It was the house of God's where this happened, yes, or a church. Yes, <laughs> Angels like churches, they go to church. Anyway, let's go to John 1, 51. Now this is essential that we get this last part because it proves without doubt that the angels are here to help us on this planet. Yes. I'm going to John 1 and 51 here. This is Jesus. I think he's talking to Nathaniel, or um, I think that's right, Nathaniel. And he says in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 51, And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, which is kind of a Hebrewism that means pay close attention. That's what Jesus is saying when he says verily, verily. We don't talk like that anymore, but if I said pay close attention, that would mean something. I say unto you, hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending, ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now he's same terminology, but he includes something, the Son of Man. So he's telling us as men, mankind, I'm not being vulgar, if you listen carefully, you'll understand, the ladies are the ones with the wombs. They're a woman, and we're a man, but we're still the, of the race of man. When God uses man in a general sense, he's talking about male and female, unless it's in a married sense. You know, there's one male, one female, there should be. Anyway, to, you know, have a couple and to produce offspring and all the other things you know that you do as a couple. But I'm showing you that to say Jesus said something here that the other one, they're going to be ministering and ascending and descending upon us or around us as people in the planet. Jesus just said so. Are you still here? Okay, let's go to Zechariah. You go to Malachi and take a left. <laughs> go to Malachi and take a left to get back to, I'm too far back. Zechariah chapter 1. Now these are all scriptures he gave me and I still didn't get, I'm going to get to the last one in just a minute, but this is so important to read this because we found it in Genesis. We found it in uh, John's Gospel, Jesus talking. We found it, we're going to find it in Zechariah chapter 1 and Zechariah is full of visions. This prophet Zechariah, he had multiple visions. But in chapter 1, I want to look at something here and then we're going to go to the New Testament over in 1 Corinthians in a minute. Uh, verse 7 of chapter 1 of Zechariah, not Zephaniah, Zechariah. Upon the four and twentieth day of the eleventh month, which is the month Sebat, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, the prophet, saying, I saw by night, behold, a man riding upon a red horse, and he stood among the myrtle trees that were in the bottom, and behind him there were red horses, speckled and white horses. Then said I, O my Lord, what are these? And the angel that talked with me, he's having a vision, he sees all these other beings, 
on horses. Then the angel he's talking with begins to respond to him. And the man that stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are they whom the Lord has sent to walk through to and fro through the earth. They're not up in heaven. These are the angels. And you could equate that with Hebrews 1 too, you know. He, he sent them, you know. You know, he sent, he sent him, he sends them first and he puts something in them, but we have to send them in addition to that to be in agreement with him. But let me show you, I knew there was something in verse 10 I wasn't seeing. Sometimes you know something down here, your brain doesn't have hold of it. So I did some research and I found verse 10 in another translation says, the angels have come to patrol the earth and maintain security. They can maintain security, you know what I mean? There's some bad motor scooters in that group. There's one guy who took out 185,000 soldiers in one night, didn't say he had help from anybody either. If it, 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 I think it would have said something if there had been help, <laughs> but it didn't. Yeah. Or how about the one that came and rolled the stone away from the tomb? They said it took six men to roll it. The hole that Jesus was back in in that grave, they had a round stone that rolled over the opening so nobody could get in or out. And the angel just rolled it away with his finger, I'm pretty sure, in, Jan in Matthew 28. And he had two soldiers there watching it. They came to the, to the mayor and they said, you know, they're going to come steal his body and then you're going to lose your job. You're going to lose all your perks. You're not going to go to Steak and Shake or nothing. You <laughs> I'm just talking here a minute. See if you're still with me. So he was concerned he's going to lose out because he's, he's just a, one of those players. He thinks he's a big shot because he's in government and has a lot of money and uh, people bribe him and different things like that. So he called over there and this is what he said, put SWAT on this, put, put the DEA on it, put, uh, put the Rangers on it or somebody that can handle themselves. I don't want anybody fooling with that grave. And they put, a, they put a marker on it with a candle wax of some sort and they put a seal on it to make sure if anybody's moved that stone, they can see it's broke. But it says when the angel came and set upon the stone, these mighty warriors they were, they knew how to kick some B-U-T-T, excuse the expression, but they fainted because they were afraid. Yes, sir. You think about that, some bad motor scooters just in themselves for fighting wars and knowing how to do what they do best. And they shook for fear and fainted on them. <laughs> so I'd say that angel looked pretty, pretty intense. <laughs> okay. Now, here's another definition. I'm still on verse 10. Hang on a minute. They come to do recon missions. They come to angels. They come to do security and even combat if needed. Yeah. I don't know if you heard about, what's that guy, Arthur Blessed, that carries the cross all around the world? He's, he's probably my age or close to it. I'm 72. He might be older than me. But he was somewhere in Central America and they were having a big coup in that country. You know, some of those countries just have a coup every two years or three and they just go to the president, shoot them all down. And they say, we're taking over and maybe bring some generals in, shoot them too. So the rest of the military lines up. Yes, Either that or get blown away, you know. Yes, so he's out in the wilderness kind of and he's sleeping in a tent and these soldiers came to him in the night. I don't know which country it was. And... He, they lined up him and his buddies. There's about four of them, I think. And he has a thought, Arthur Blessed, I got to get these Bibles out of my truck and hand these guys this before they shoot me. So he says, hang on a minute. And, you know, they just told him to stand there. We're going to execute you. And he said, hang on a minute. And he went over to his truck and he's going through, you know, boxes of things and finds the Bible. And he hears something as he's getting the Bible. Thud, 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 thud. Turns around. They're all out on the ground. All the soldiers are knocked out. True story. And they went into town the next morning, Arthur and his companions, and they said, we just heard about there was some big guys out there in white, dressed in white, huge guys that beat the snot out of some soldiers. The combat. Nobody got shot that night. Yeah. So they could do that. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 4. Oh, I still got five minutes left. Wow. Now I'm going to minister, though, for just a few minutes. Uh, if you would like to in a minute, I'll say something about that. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Let me get something here I wanted to have at my disposal. That's it right there. Okay, we're at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 9. First, and you know, I, I've read over the New Testament several times, but I had, I'm just being honest, you know, I didn't see this verse in, in relationship to angels. The Lord said, well, it's there. You need to read it. And I said, yes, sir. 
I wasn't going to say, well, I never heard of that before because he already told me there's a lot I didn't see yet. For I think that God, verse 9, 1 Corinthians 4 and 9, I think that God set, has set forth us, the apostles. I think that's particularly true of them, but I think he was really saying maybe generically I could say the fivefold ministry. That last, as it were, appointed to death, for we are. Now that's current. That's pre- We are. We are at church today. I'm not home. We are at church. I'm not at my hotel room. We are. You know, I'm not eating lunch. I'm standing here feeding you. It says we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. Now, the word spectacle in my Bible, which is at Cambridge, it's usually pretty safe, but I don't trust any of them anymore. Personally, that's just my thing. And it says GR, which means the Greek language for spectacle is the word theater. But since I had to take Greek in seminary, I have a Greek New Testament at home, and I, I can look up anything. I'm not a scholar like Rick Renner, but I can look some things up. And it is the word theater. So you are every day, you know, if I said, you know, people are watching you, you go, that's right. I know people I work with, people I live around, people where I shop, they're, they're watching me. And I've witnessed some of them. That's true, too. But it says men in the world, but you're also a theater to the angels. And what do you do when you go to the theater? What have you been doing this morning? Listening to me and looking at me. Yes. Or if you go watch your kids do a Christmas play, you're looking and listening. If you go to a theater, I, I mean a movie, there's not much you, that I would endorse right now, but I know some people go anyway. Uh, or any kind of uh, outing, like an orchestra or something like You're going to sit down and you're going to look and you're going to listen. That's the two things you're going to do. And so you have become, all of us, we are not going to be that later when we get in heaven. I wish people quit saying that. You know, in the, in the church I grew up, they were, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be, that will be. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I said, Lord, you got anything for the lousy here and now? That's what I said to him one day. He said, I sure do, Michael, pay attention. I, okay, I'm paying. I'm paying attention. And he showed me a lot since that day. That was way back when I was in a Baptist church. It, it, I'm not trying to get to heaven prematurely. I'm going to get there someday but I'm not trying to rush it and I don't really care a lot right now what's happening in heaven because I don't live there. I live here. <laughs> Other than my seat is with Christ like yours is. We're not below him or we're not beside him. We're with him in that same seat at the right hand of God. That's, a, that's the best place of authority. So this is what I'm saying to you. All this service here, they've been looking at us and listening to me. And they like what I say about them. I know that because they come a lot of times and say, we're excited you're teaching about us again. I have a lot of visions. I don't know if I get to share any. But I wanted to minister to Misty first. So come up here, Misty. I want to read something to you. And you can all stand up. You've been sitting. It's 12 o'clock, about one till. I was thinking about you today, Misty. And I went in my Bible. I went over to Luke 13 because the Lord dealt with me personally about the spirit of infirmity. Now, I think if I'm right, if I'm not, you can correct me. But you sent my wife and I about a 10-page document, 10 or 11 pages. And I thought you said on the first page or two, you had nine or 10 diseases in you when I prayed for you. How many years ago has that been? Almost five. Almost five. And you seem like, if I heard you right, too, you'd had a lot of these, some of the same symptoms repeatedly in your life. You'd go to the hospital and you get, they do whatever they do. Then you get out and then you go... So the Lord said to talk to you about this, and I'm, I'm going to open it for others too in just a minute. A spirit of infirmity, what God told me, is not just a lady bowed over like that. She happened to have a spirit of infirmity, and that's what she was bowed over like that. I saw a lady in a nursing home one time like that, and that's the way she walked around, you know, way over. But my point is, you constantly have been sick a lot in your life. And he told me something about a headache coming on you, so I just think that's a residue of that spirit of infirmity that we've already dealt with. So in the name of Jesus, come out! I break your power over her life. I command those headaches to cease in the name of Jesus. I command you to be delivered from them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Anybody else have stuff that afflicts you all the time? I'll pray for you if you'd like. Come on up. Whoever needs to come. I'm talking about this spirit of infirmity here that Seems like it just starts to visit and then it just stays, stays with you. Or it may move around in your body. Like I said one time, you might have throat problems, then you have stomach problems, then you have bowel problems, then you have joint problems, then you have heart problems, then you have ear infection. And it's like, you know, you might have a little time of reprieve. Michael, let her get through there for us. I'm sorry. 
Thank you. Uh, but it seems like it just bounces around in you. Hallelujah. Elaine, I command that thing broken in your life. Come out of her. I break that spirit of infirmity over you. Command it to loose you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yep. In the name of Jesus. Come out of her. I break that yeah. spirit of infirmity that's yeah. attacked you and troubled you, troubled your body a lot, even yeah. tried to trouble your mind. Yeah. I command your power broken yeah. in the name yeah. of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. You got it. You got it. All right. In the name of you. Come out of her. I break your power over her body. In the name of Jesus, command those things to cease to exist in your life and you to get on the other side of it. In Jesus' name. There's the anointing on you. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, come out. I break your power over this lady. I command sickness and disease to depart from your body. In the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it, Father. There's the anointing to accomplish it. In Jesus' name. Powerful anointing here. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. <laughs> Hello. In Jesus' name, come out. I break your power over this lady. I command you to leave her body now and stay gone. In spirit of infirmity, loose her and let her go free. And Father, I speak healing to all the parts that have been affected in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, come out. I break your power over her body. I command sickness and disease to leave her and go from her and stay gone in the name of Jesus. I release the anointing in my hands to minister to her and bring her back to full health. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I'm just waiting a second and see if I'm done. If I'm done, I'm going to sit down, but just see here a minute. Hallelujah. I hope you can come back tonight. We'll, we'll, we'll get into some other things. I don't know if we'll go over the angels. We might. I'd like to go talk about personal angels. And you all have one. It's important to know that. That's right. And it's important that you learn, you know, how to talk to him. You don't just say, hey, angel. But you could say, you know, in Jesus' name, I send you. I send them to the churches I'm going to in my travels before I get there. I don't do it the day I leave. I send them a couple of days before. I say, go in there and create an atmosphere for signs and wonders for me to help me. So I think sometimes it affects the praise and worship team. They don't realize it. Maybe they do. But they start singing songs that I like sometimes. Sometimes they don't. So, I mean, I'm not accusing this church. I'm just talking in general terms. And it's okay with me. But, I mean, some songs ring my bell, knock my hat in the creek, and some don't. And when it don't, then you don't get the fullness of what I have in my mantle. That's true for the pastor, too, even though he's a different ministry gift than me. Or this man, he's an apostle. So we're all different. There might be some similarities because we all run together. And there's been impartations, of course, from me to them and her, him and Miss Elaine, too, and Pastor Randy. But I'm just talking to you here. So I just send them. And I don't send some ones that protect me because I need them to be around me. This is what God told me to do. So I don't ever release them to go. They're just hanging with me. And they stay close by. The reason I say them, I've got an extra one because I went into the prophet's ministry and he, uh, the devil sent some creatures to try to get me. And uh, he took care of that and he's been taking care of that ever since that vision of 2008. Amen. Yeah, it's an interesting vision. I haven't got time to share it now, but we'll just see what God tells us to do tonight. I hope you can come back because I'd like to Amen. pray for you. Is anybody here desperate? You really need prayer really bad? I'm going to say to you, come on up. I'll pray for you if you need me to right now. Just real quick. Anybody that really has a desperate need? Okay. What's going on with you? Well, I've had uh, torn rubber cuff. Okay. Uh-huh. Now it's got to where I can't hardly. Can't hardly move your shoulder up. Okay. Father, we command that, oh, there's an anointing. We command that shoulder to be healed right now. Oh, that's it right there in Jesus' name. It's going into that shoulder. Hallelujah. As you get, you know, courageous, you could lift it up a little. I'm not telling you to lift it straight up, but, you know, just to get it moving a little bit. Yeah. Osteoporosis. Osteo. the beginning of scoliosis. Okay. And I got two to take care of, and I need to be. You need to be able to. Okay. Yes. Father, I oh, I command those two things. Come out of her body right now. I rebuke it, command it to loose you, and for your health to return. In the name of Jesus. Scoliosis, bind, be straight. 
And the other thing she mentioned, something about the bones and stuff, I command those to be healed. And if there's any calcium deposits, the fire of God goes in and burns those out in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. All right, praise God. Yes, ma'am. I have inflammation throughout my body. I'm in constant pain. Okay. Muscles, joints, everything. It's okay. Just, I'm a keyboard player at my church. I can barely play. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just going off a lot. Okay. The Father, in the name of Jesus, the anointing strong. I rebuke this stuff in her body. The inflammation commands you to be removed right now. Come out! Every bit of it to loose her body and loose her in the name of Jesus. And I release the anointing on her to go into her body now and to burn out calcium deposits and cause strength to come and healing to come to her. In the I see it right there. The anointing's on you, ma'am, right there. Woo. They're right behind you. You don't have to worry if you needed to. But you're good standing. That's good, too. Okay, twin grandson says, that you too? You want me to pray for you for that? I, I will if you'll come up here a minute. Hallelujah. And what your part is, is I would recommend to everybody I pray for, not just this lady I'm singling her out because she's standing, just say the anointing's working in me. Once I pray for you as you go to have lunch, if you lay down this afternoon or whatever, just say the anointing's working in me. And it'll continue to work into, in you until it makes everything right. That's the purpose of the anointing. It does things I can't do. So you need direction for your life? Yeah. Uh, career choices. Career choices. Um, okay. I really need to make the wrong choices. With yes. Yeah, I get you. Father, I pray for these young men to find your will in all of their life right now. And I just I give them this scripture. Somebody could write this down for them. Ephesians 1, uh, 17 through 19. And then Colossians 1, 9 and 10 is probably my favorite and give them those two scriptures to pray every day. And God will start showing you what you're supposed to do and how to do it in the name of Jesus. You too, sir, pray for you. God will start revealing to you what your place is in Him and what your function is with Him, both of you, in the name of Jesus. And I just wouldn't rule anything out, maybe even the ministry. I don't know if you're interested, that's between you and God, but you could consider that too as another thing you could do. Yeah, you're welcome. God bless you. You're welcome. Okay, I'm going to sit down. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Pastor Randy. Yeah, I'll do that. If